0: Listener
1: Production. Okay, are you recording?
0: Will Anderson, the Archer Series Player Profile, first cab off the rank. Are you ready to go? Short, sharp, which is not necessarily your area of expertise, but we'll
1: see how we go, eh? I'll try. I'll try my best. Uh, Nicknames? Uh, Didn't really have one when I was growing up. Well, you could probably answer this better than me. I remember the LA Olympics, the uh, motto was, uh, where there's a will, there's a way to LA. And I think there might have been a... Little Willie was the name yeah, of the uh, the icon, the mascot that we had. Um, so I got a little bit of Little Willie, which not great for a kid going through <laughs> puberty. And then maybe a little bit of Big Willie in the way that uh, kids go with opposites. And then, of course, Will Smith came along with Big Willie style. My close friends think it's very funny to call me Ando um, because I just don't really come across as an Ando. So... Um, and my uh, com- my company is called Comedy Commando because um, they used to call me Ando the Comedy Commando as a very mocking joke, by the way. <laughs> and so I did name my company Comedy Commando, which sometimes I need to explain to people. But yeah, Ando is as close probably.
0: It's funny. I thought about a few of these in relation to you before, before I did them. And to me, it's strange. I've never really had a nickname. You've always been Will. It's just always been yep. Will with one L. Always been Will. Will, uh, favourite food?
1: Uh, I would say that my favorite food is, I mean, if I'm gonna, yeah, I mean, like I'm a very simple pasta guy. Like I'm a vegetarian, so it does limit your options a bit, but I, my favorite uh, foods have always been like things that are very simple anyway. So like, I the, – probably the best meal I've ever had was I was in New York and I had like a cacio a pepe, which is just like, you know, essentially pepper cheese, spaghetti pasta, you know. Like, I mean, it's essentially the fanciest as, mac, mac cheese you'll ever have in about your entire to say, it's life. not
0: as fancy
1: when it's in English, is it? <laughs> no. And, yeah, it's like mac cheese with pepper. And, <laughs> but I do love simple elegance when it comes to food. So I am pe- – like – all my foods, the things that I love, it's always like just maybe say three, four ingredients but done really well.
0: What is your number one dish if you're cooking?
1: I can make a cacio e pepe and it's a bit harder than uh, you'd think, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Don't say that,
0: up, mate. A bit of mac, a bit of cheese, a bit of pepper.
1: I know. Well, technically, if you want to make it like with a fettuccine or spaghetti and then okay. you've got to like put the pasta water in, you've got to get the parmesan to coat the – anyway, it's quite a process but um, – but I, I actually, my kind of showpiece meal, yes, was I have a friend who's a um really good chef. And uh, as part of an online thing she was doing, she was doing yeah cooking lessons with celebrities, and she roped me into it, and she taught me how to make. It's this incredible sort of, I guess fancy Mexican dish, which is like a a popcorn cauliflower taco, but it's just kind of the Ooh. fanciest version of a taco that you've ever tasted in your entire life. And it's, it's got some sort of some processes that kind of elevate the Mexican. It's a really good show off dish is what I was like. If It's one of those things that once you know how to make it, it's actually very easy, but it looks very spectacular. It'd definitely be the one where I'd be like, I'm going to show off in front of people.
0: Okay, it sounds impressive too. So up at your magnificent Ponderosa up there in Byron Bay, you've got your cauliflower taco ready to go and your um, macaroni and cheese and pepper, which is probably the one I'm going for. You can invite three people, cliched question this one, Will, three people from any time in your life that you have that you haven't met that are alive or dead. Who are the three that are coming to this uh, cauliflower uh,
1: arrangement? It's an interesting question, this one. Three never feels like enough. You me. only get
0: three. Sorry.
1: No, that's okay. It's your it's your show. You're allowed to mm. – but I'm going to – all right. So, Billy Connolly, uh, first and foremost, you know, would not be doing what I do as a living without Billy Connolly but also incredibly engaging dinner party guests. So, yes, that's she that's kind of main stage. Then – because you don't want somebody who's going to go – because initially I remember I did um, QI, which is the show that Stephen Fry oh, used yes. to host, you know, and uh, – Stephen Fry just a brilliant mind and a wonderful rack on tour and we were doing a live show in Brisbane and then the night it was the final night of their tour so we went out for drinks with them afterwards and people would ask me afterwards what was it was what was it like you know with Stephen Fry and I said well the way I'd sum it up is he likes the sound of his own voice but so does everybody else <laughs> you know <laughs> like it was a good arrangement because he liked to talk and everybody liked to listen to him talk. So I'm not going to invite him because I've already had that moment, but also I don't want someone who's going head to head with Billy. I want Billy to be able to be the wonderful raconteur. I'm going to balance that out with somebody who's a bit quieter, but still I think would be hilarious dinner party conversation, which is the uh, famous American writer Dorothy Parker. And, and then My friend, Justin Hamilton. So Justin Hamilton is my closest comedy friend and probably like, probably the friend in my life who knows me the most honestly. You know, I've had probably the most honest and frank conversations with me. You know, like, yeah, he probably knows stuff about me that my partner doesn't know about me. Okay. I'm going to tag in Justin Hamilton in my third seat.
0: So if your man Justin Hamilton knows you so well, does he mm. know that at one stage you went to Darwin for the Youth of the Year Awards and when you came back for a year we called you nothing at school but knob of the Year? Does he know that about you?
1: Absolutely knows that about me and, in does fact, he? I'll go one step further than that, Howie, on my desk. So in uh, the longer version of this show, again, yes. can we tell people that we've redone done it? Is yes, it, we do can. Do we have some mystery? That's no, fine. no, no, we've done this at the end. We we will talk about. <laughs> yeah, yes, we I'll will just imagine we will talk about. <laughs> Possibly. On my desk I have a little uh, sort of metal inspirational slogan, but the only other thing that I have on my desk is a uh, a doorknob on a little trophy (laughs) that says, Knob of the Year, which was given to me. By my high school friends when I won the Lions use of the year, and you gave me and I still have that sitting on my desk thirty five <laughs> years know that. after and I, that. So. I can
0: remember who made who got that manufactured. I won't mention her surname, but it was a girl by the name of Joe, lovely girl. Who I think had a bit of a crush for you, Big Willie,
1: first person I ever kissed.
0: There you go. This is not what I expected to bring up. Hello to Joe out there. Yeah. You
1: can mention her surname if you wish. Uh Joe Layton was her right. name, and uh, she was like my absolute sort of first, she you was. know, girl, close female friend. And then she was the first person that I ever kissed. And was it a nice kiss? It was a very nice kiss. Good. It was. A, I don't think I was particularly good at it. I think Where back was then. It? I think back then it's about quantity.
0: Yeah, true. Where you, was it? You that?
1: know what I mean? Like, you, you haven't picked up the nuances. You just like rap that it's happening and you don't want it to stop happening, so you keep going. Was Whereas,
0: it at a Tara Jackson or a Sarah Lazaro style party, or where, 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 where would you start? Was it clothes? a party? Well, whose go, party? I, so,
1: we were watching a horror movie. Yeah. Um In a friend's sort of like, you know, at their house they had like a like a rumpus room, <laughs> basement room. Uh, there was a whole bunch of us. I'm not sure if you were there or not, but there was definitely a whole bunch of people that we know from school there. Uh, I was sitting on the couch. It was Andy Buck's house.
0: Andy Buck's house, on the, in yeah. the court.
1: Yeah, and uh, so it was Andy Buck's house and we were watching a horror film and I, I was sitting on the couch with Joe and, Below us on the ground was sitting our friend Stuart Flanagan. And I remember that afterwards, Stuart told me because, like, we probably made out for like an hour while the film was going. You know, you're a teenager, you're making out yes. for the first time, you just keep going. And, but apparently, my foot was like going back and forward like as we would kiss. Like my foot was like a windscreen wiper was going back and forward in front of Stuart Flanagan's face. But he was such a good friend that he realised that I had other things on my mind and so for like an hour he just let my foot go back and forward in front of his face.
0: I love it. It's never something we brought up on the player profile pro before. I reckon I was at that party. I reckon yeah. I was there. I wouldn't have been kissing girls though. You were into that far far earlier <laughs> than I was, disappointing you looking back. Anyway, let's move on. Um, before you go on stage, finish the sentence for me, you always do what?
1: Um, so, oh, well, I'll answer it quickly two ways. One is that I have a stage uniform. So, like, before whatever I've done that day, relax or work I will about an hour before the show I will get into my show clothes so I'll normally like have a shower or whatever and I'll get into a specific set of clothes that I'm going to wear for the entire tour so I have a uniform that I put on so that's kind of important to me that's me going from my day into Mm -hmm. into work so I put on my work uniform Um, and the only other thing that I really have as a tradition is that just as I'm about to go on stage uh, my intro music is Back in Black by ACDC and the reason it's Back in Black by ACDC is when I started doing comedy in Melbourne, a guy called Dave Grant was a great mentor to me and he was one of the best live stand-ups I've ever seen. Just wanted every gig to be an amazing gig, didn't matter about the size of it, just wanted it to be great. And when Dave died, we'd become a lot closer, you know, towards the end and just as a bit of a tribute to him to remind myself that I still had the opportunity to do what he would never get to do again, I started using his intro music and I always just (laughs) silently think in my head what would Dave Grant do and what I interpret that as, what it means to me is he always wanted every gig to be, tonight could be the best show I ever do and so I always try to walk out there just going this could be it, tonight could be the best show that I ever do. It often isn't, but I always <laughs> like to start with that.
0: That's a great answer. I couldn't picture either of these two. What was your first car? I can't picture it.
1: Holden Barina.
0: Oh, yes, the Barina. I can picture it. The yep. Barina. I can Kalsi-
1: picture it. Cow covers?
0: Yes, now yeah. I picture it. The Barina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: A real White, man's Holden car. Barina.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can remember your- Cow hide seat covers.
0: Yep, yep. Oh, that's now, now I was bringing it back to me. This one Now could- asked
1: me what my second car was, Harry.
0: What was your second car?
1: White Holden Barina. <laughs> Just a more modern model.
0: <laughs> what was your first ever job? What did you first earn a wage? Was it on the farm or not?
1: Yeah, on the farm. So uh, milking cows, doing farm stuff. Uh, that's how I bought the barina. So right. our parents had that attitude that you would work on the farm but you would also get paid for your work on the farm to sort of teach you about that. And the idea was that when we turned 18, whatever money we'd managed to save we were able to spend on buying our own first car. So that was the the incentive program that our parents put us on. So I had enough for a very secondhand hand <laughs> Holden barina. So not a lot but some. Um I
0: know you wouldn't swap jobs, but if you could swap jobs with someone, Will, whose job would you like?
1: I mean, I don't think that I would swap jobs with anyone. I think that that is true. Um, I don't think that I could do anyone else's job. You know, I think I can sometimes do my job, but I, I don't think I could do anyone else's job. And But I love the life that you've built for yourself. I mean, you mm. obviously taken a real interest in it because we're friends, but mm. like the fact that you've taken some of the things that we were interested in in high school too, you know, going to sport and talking yep. about sport and, you know, you know, seeing these sports people as our heroes or our role models. And, you know, I still love sport. I love sport in a very amateur way. You know, I have a AFL adjacent podcast. I sometimes get to talk about, about sport and meet sports people, but I haven't made it my living, the idea of, you know, travelling around the world in some capacity. And funnily enough, I think for me it would have been to be a cricket writer. Yes. I think that, you know, I don't know if you can talk about Peter Roebuck anymore, but like that Peter Roebuck style of cricket writing where you would tour the world and write as much about the society and the culture as well as the cricket, but also the deeper meaning of cricket, the stories, you know. I often say that I only really watch football and cricket, so I can understand the the other storylines around football and cricket. I'm mm. almost more interested in the stories, what it means. Cricket, you know, is physical chess, and you don't understand it until you understand what it's like to be outthought in a moment, because mm. that's what elevates cricket so much. Often about other sports is that you can literally just outthink. Your opponent. Sometimes somebody gets out or scores runs because of their mindset as opposed to their skill level, and there's something Absolutely. about that. And you can't understand what it's like for Daryl Cullinan to walk out in front of Shane Warne unless you understand the history of Daryl Cullinan mm-hmm. and Shane Warne. And I think that I probably, of all the things, if I'd if I'd been a journalist, I think I probably could have been a pretty good cricket writer because I have a passion. For cricket, and I think I could have written about cricket in a way that was a bit different to perhaps you know the the mainstream cricket commentary. Um, yeah, I so say something like that maybe in a different world, in a different life.
0: i oh, you'd be fantastic. That I always enjoy reading Peter Lawler and Gideon Hay. Yeah. Um, but I think you could bring an entertaining bent to it. In fact, we we'll just crank out a couple of Ashes articles this summer. Just whack a couple up and see how you go. Well,
1: it's funny because Charlie doesn't uh, listen. Uh, Doesn't really uh, watch or listen to the cricket, and I obviously we have an AFL podcast, but I was thinking about doing maybe a summer series where we, you know, talked about the cricket, and I just need to find somebody who's willing to come on and talk about cricket with me. Do you want to come on? Should we do? What am I? What am I? I just figure you're a bit too, you know, like a bit too busy being a. Well, you're doing proper cricket stuff when the cricket's on, but
0: we can still (laughs) do it after. I'll tell you my day at the cricket, right. I get up, I have breakfast with former cricketers, we talk about cricket. I go to the gym with former cricketers, we talk about cricket. We go to the cricket and we talk about cricket. And then we have dinner after the cricket and talk about cricket. Once a test match, I'll go out with the cricketers after dinner to have a couple of beers, we talk about cricket. So jumping on a podcast with you to talk about cricket would be pretty much what I'm doing anyway. So keep me in
1: mind. That's why I thought that it might be too much though because you're constantly talking about cricket.
0: But it's the one thing in the world that I am in a situation where I don't think I can talk about it too much because yeah. I love talking about cricket. Mm-hmm. Lucky me. <laughs> so keep me uh, uh, keep me in the midst with that one. What's the best piece of advice you've received? Well,
1: Andrew Denton uh, gave me a great piece of advice about um, making a television show, which was that it's not about the consistency of it overall, it's about the amount of fuck me moments. And <laughs> when I'm putting a project together, I often measure it in how many times is someone going to watch this and go, oh, fuck me, I did not know that. You probably have to bleep this because I know there's a family podcast, but you can. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. As long as it's not me, Will, that's fine. <laughs> I apologize. but You, you don't can, need to. Uh But that's how I think about it. Like how many times will somebody look at it and go, oh, wow, I did not know that. Oh, wow, I did not believe that moment could happen. The other one was from Ted Robinson who said, remember, it's everybody's day at work. Because when you're in entertainment, particularly when you are what they hilariously call the talent, Mm. um, the entire world is arranged around you and your day and your pleasure or displeasure. And, you know, we've both seen how that can be used terribly by those who don't think about other people. And Ted early on just pulled my coattails and just said, remember it's everybody's day at work. The makeup artist, it's her day at work. And like when she goes home and talks to her, you know, partner about how her day was, you have an opportunity to influence whether she had a good day or whether she had a terrible day. And it's the same with the wardrobe person, it's the same with the camera person, it's the same with the guest, it's the same, it's everybody's day at work. And the days where I feel most proud of the way that I've conducted myself are the days where I feel like I've made everybody's day better and the days when I feel least proud of what I've done. I may have achieved the thing in the end that I, we needed to achieve, but it's had a few casualties along the way. They're the days that you don't remember as fondly.
0: Two most used apps on your phone. I know you're not really a techno guy.
1: I try to podcast app, absolutely, Yes, and then... Um, either in football season it'll be the AFL app and in cricket season it'll be the Cricket Australia app, which are both terrible apps and to both of those organisations, how can you be such incredibly huge sports with such terrible, terrible apps? Get your app together. But, yes, they would be the two.
0: Get your app together. What's your most favourite item in your wardrobe?
1: Uh, I have a pair of Dr. Martin boots that I don't wear anymore but, like, I wore on stage for years that were the same pair of Dr. Martin boots that I wore at high school and I wore on stage at the Athenaeum Theatre when I was doing uh, high school theatre sports. Theatre sports. Max Barry and Freddie and Peter Shepard, our friend Peter Shepard, and uh, we uh, made it to the national finals of high school theatre sports and I wore... Those boots on stage at the Athenaeum Theatre, which, you know, is a thousand seats, you know, a big deal for a kid from the country. And many years later when I was doing the Athenaeum Theatre for the first time as a 20-show run during the comedy festival, my (laughs) mum rediscovered these boots and brought them back and I wore them on stage at the Athenaeum and then wore them on stage for years. So it would be that. And then the other one is I have this jacket that my partner bought me for my birthday one day, which is just a beautiful jacket that I would never buy myself. It's like essentially the most expensive leather jacket meets hoodie that you'll ever like see in your entire life. It's one of those things that isn't – it's so expensive I would never buy it for myself and it doesn't look expensive but it's one of those things that, you know, when you like someone's got an expensive bit of clothing, it just fits them. It makes me look – it's got like structure built into it and whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, like I am just – Like, honestly, just looks so much better with this jacket on without this jacket on.
0: Finish the sentence that you started, it makes me look...
1: Oh, I mean, I don't know, fit? (laughs) 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 Built, like I work out? Ripped. Yeah, I mean, there's a structure to it that just, like, gives me a little confidence.
0: I remember those theatre sports days and we used to go down and um, one of the, I think it was a year 11... English teacher, maybe Mr Simons, would drive us down to watch you guys perform as you progress through and through and through the comp. Um, What are you currently watching?
1: Uh, What am I currently watching? Um, A lot of AFL at the moment. So – and when I'm watching the AFL, you know, when I get some free time, I love to dive into AFL-related media as well, so – Um, I like to see all the storylines and the things that are going on. External to AFL stuff, I just most recently watched uh, one of the greatest comedy specials I've ever seen in my life, which is by a guy called Bo Burnham, who's a 30-year-old American comedian, a musical comedian. And he came to fame as an internet performer and then became this massive comedy superstar and just absolutely blew my mind. What's it called? Inside. And it's on Netflix? It is on Netflix.
0: Great. I'll check it out. What's your favourite movie of all time?
1: Oh, good question. Um, the Princess Bride would yes. be my immediate response to that. I still think it's a pretty perfect film, even after all these years. A tale of adventure. It's as real as the feelings you feel. I'm kissing again.
0: Someday you may not mind so much. The Princess Bride. Not just your
1: basic, average, everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill, ho-hum fairy tale. I watched it with my kids about six months ago. Great film. Great film. It's like it's hard to imagine. I, I remember when I went to see it with Sarah Bailey ah. um, at the Sale cinemas. We both were roped into taking our sisters, our younger sisters, to the movies and we had to choose a movie that it sounded like the younger sisters would like. So we chose The Princess Bride and we both imagined that we weren't going to like it and I just sat there, you know, in a country cinema just thinking, wow, like this story is just, It appears to be one thing and it is so much more than that. And is I mean, I became obsessed about William Goldman. Like he became, I read all these books about Hollywood, you know, all these movies, like just, yeah, absolutely. I've read the book, the book that it's based on that he also wrote, which is like, like it's, it's incredible. The layers of, misinformation and information in the world he created around that movie, but yeah, and just the comedic performances in it, like the the iconic lines from it, I think. I could probably, I wouldn't be able to do it from scratch, but if the movie was on in the background, I reckon I could probably narrate every single line in the movie from start to finish.
0: He's climbing the rope and he's gaining on us. Inconceivable. He didn't fall. Inconceivable. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. The sales cinemas you were talking about, Joe, earlier on, I recall, because as I said, I was way behind you as far as dealing with the ladies. Mm. I remember going to see Lost Boys at the sales cinemas and getting to hold Bianca Dunlop's hand. (laughs) Oh, see. <laughs> I remember I was quite sweaty in hand But uh, it was a good film I still remember it. I'm not sure Bianca Dunlop Wherever she is will remember that moment As fondly as I
1: Bianca um, Dunlop and I have been Well we're not in constant contact But we reconnected on Facebook A few years ago And so right. I do see You know what she's up to Every now and again
0: i tell her I said hi. <laughs> what did you race home from on the bus from the grammar school and jump in front of the telly and watch at home?
1: I can't really remember is the question, but um, I'm going to say the iconic shows I remember, I think probably the biggest one for me was, I mean, I mentioned The Big Gig and um, uh, The Money or The Gun, but before that it would have been watching The Young Ones with my mum.
0: Oh, The Young Ones.
1: I I mean, before that it would have been like The Goodies and Monkey Magic and, you know, those (laughs) sort of shows. But I remember the first time that you're allowed to start, The Young Ones would have been on at like 8.30 or something. 8.30 I reckon. I imagine. So, you know, you're kind of being – able to stay up and it was so anarchic and my mum you know was clearly enjoying it as well and it suddenly felt like oh here's this you know secret thing that yeah my mum and I get to share so that to me is the memory of the iconic tv show of that time
0: as the star that you are, you are the star of the ABC in Australia. They'll be happy to hear that the goodies and the young ones is what you're watching because they were both ABC-style operations, weren't they? Definitely the young ones was.
1: Well, all we had was ABC and oh, of a, a composite commercial channel. <laughs> That's right. And Our family were definitely more ABC than commercial. That's right. And, I mean, that's it. I used to tape the big gig because I used to play the audio of the television on like Radio National or one of the ABC radio channels at the time and so I would cassette record it. So I'd watch it on TV and then I would cassette record it and I would know Jim Owen's routines off by heart or the Doug Anthony All-Star songs (laughs) off by heart and then Andrew Denton's shows. I mean, literally this is a case study for they made these shows and I watched those shows and said I would like to do that and then I went and made those shows with those people and <laughs> it's part of the responsibility that I feel which is that I have a responsibility to hopefully be that person for other people, you know, to give them the opportunity to be able to do what it is that I have got to do. What are you listening to music-wise? Um. uh I've been listening to – I love this uh, rap group called uh, Run The Jewels. Run The Jewels? Yeah, Run The Jewels. And so um, they've released four albums. They're all great. Um, They released an album last year. So there's a couple of guys in this group, uh, a guy called LP and then a guy called Killer Mike. Now some people might know who Killer Mike is. He did a whole bunch of community stuff for um, Bernie Sanders and he's a bit of a prominent black activist – uh, in the US, but they have a politically charged modern take on old-school hip-hop. I've always loved old-school hip-hop. So Andy Buck's sister gave us a tape of the Beastie Boys. and Joanna Buck gave us a tape of um, the Beastie Boys and uh, uh, it would have been Run DMC. And I remember back then just getting really getting obsessed with old-school hip-hop and Run the Jewels are uh, my modern favourite, you know, old-school, new-school hip-hop act.
0: Now, for those that aren't aware, and there won't be many, Will runs a serious successful podcast, A Sweet. He's got Philosophy, Tofop, Fofop, uh, Two Guys, One Cup. I could go on and on. But uh, apart from recommending all those for people to listen to, give me a po- podcast recommendation to listen to. Um,
1: okay. Okay. Uh, I, my favorite podcast, I'll start yes. with that. Yes. Is an American podcast. It's not necessarily a huge podcast. I mean, it's a, a good medium sized podcast, but it's not the most successful in the world. But I just love it. It is called, UH as in U H H, Yeah Dude. Oh, uh, yeah, dude is the name of the podcast. Oh, uh, yeah, dude. It's one of the original podcasts. So they've been going for 14, 15 years. It is a weekly podcast. It is these two guys. They don't have any guests. They just go through news stories and, you know, quirky stories and it's just about their relationship with each other and they call it America Through the Eyes of Two American-Americans and it is a guy called <laughs> Seth Romatelli and there's a guy called Jonathan Um I'll give it just a shout-out in general yes, to Young do. Australian Comedian Podcasts because – if you want to tap into what the next generation of Australian comedy is, whether it might be one that people might love is the thing called Finding Drago, uh, which is uh, by Cam James and Alexei Toliopoulos, which is about they, they there's this fan fiction that's been written around uh, Ivan Drago. Like IV. Yeah. And it's, like there's this book that was all written about it and they try to find it's this kind of mockumentary documentary about them trying to find the author of this book finding drago and then the incredible story that unfolds it's a really good one to check out but there is a bunch of young australian comedians making great podcasts and i just highly recommend um trying to listen to some of those
0: of what i would describe famous well-known celebrity-style people that you've met on your travels and there would be a lot of them will who is one of these high-profile people that has made a great impression on you
1: um uh, like nearly all of them it's 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 much it's much easier to name the ones that didn't make an impression on let's you let's not do
0: that let's than not the do the ones
1: that, yeah. who did you know there's rare that i get out of something and if i got out of something and i got nothing out of it I almost think that's my fault. But um, Dave Grohl impressed me probably more than anybody else that I've ever met um, for a couple, couple of reasons. I met him first um, when I was on Triple J and he had in that year had a Foo Fighters album and also he'd played drums on the best Queens of the Stone Age album and he'd been part of the collaboration of that. So at Triple J he had two of the most popular artists that we played on the station. He'd obviously been in Nirvana. He came in for an interview. Um I remember asking him in the interview, I said, like, you know, you're in Nirvana, now you've been in, the, you've been in three of the most popular bands of all time. And I remember him just looking at me and I said, like, uh, I said, uh, What's the secret? And he goes, to be honest, I think it's just my natural talent. <laughs> and I, and uh, it just made me laugh because he was clearly taking the piss but at the same time he had that like easy confidence. So okay. anyway, they it turns out they're going to come down and play a live gig for us in front of 50 people. So we're in this like they're going to do this live gig to be recorded for the radio but there's only 50 people invited to it. It's in a studio at the ABC. So I invite Amy, my partner in. You know, She's a big fan as well we get to hang out with them in the green room before they come in and, and do this show. And I so I introduce him to Amy. Um, they get on fine. He signs a, like a thing for her, you know, all good. Two, fast, flash forward two years later, I'm backstage at the, I think the Gold Coast big day out and Adam and I have to go and interview Dave Grohl for the radio. So this is a backstage scenario. They all have their own, you know, dressing rooms, but there's a communal area as well. And so as we're walking across, Like there's just a little area that cordoned off so we can talk to Dave Grohl for this interview. He's doing a series of interviews during the day. So we go over there and we sit down. This is two years later and he's like, Adam, Will. Now, at this moment, he could have just said to the PR person or the person who's organising the interviews, who have I got next? When did I talk to them last time? Whatever, right? Most people don't even bother to do that. I was
0: about to say that's a a nice step.
1: Right. So if that was what he had done, then that in itself would have impressed me.
0: Mm.
1: We do the interview. At the end of the interview, he goes, just before he goes, he goes, how's Amy? What's she up to? What's going on with blah, blah, blah? And writes this note. I said, well, she's actually here. She just couldn't come in, you know, backstage for the the interview. So he writes her this like <laughs> off his own bat. This is not me saying, hey, can you write something for her? He's just like goes, oh, I'll write a little note that you can take back. And, I mean, she still has that note from Dave Grohl and that was like, you know, <laughs> 20, 20 years ago probably. But Great story. The fact that he, yeah, you know, was super successful, super charming but also seemed to genuinely be a grounded person who was engaged and remembered people was, yeah, it was pretty impressive.
0: Bucket list destination?
1: Um, I'd like to go to the West Indies To watch cricket be played. If Australia was touring the West Indies, to go, she'd be able to tour, you know, through the West Indies to soak up the culture over there to be like, you know, but to have a reason, not just as a holiday, but, you know, that idea that I'm going to go and follow the team around to these events, have that anchor. I think something like that.
0: Commentating cricket on the West Indies is one of the greatest joys I've ever had in life absolutely outstanding.
1: Well, there's a few of my other passions they're fond of over there as well, Mark, yes. so I think I'd fit in quite nicely.
0: I didn't want to mention it but I do recall a game at Sabina Park in Jamaica where there was this blue haze just floating across the ground and it wasn't from forest fires, Will.
1: I mean, this is an element of cricket participation <laughs> yeah. that I am well and truly behind that I cannot get at Australian games. So,
0: no, yeah. no. Uh, a couple more to finish with, three more in fact. What, if anything, scares you, Will?
1: Uh, no lots of things scare me I mean like obviously the really natural ones mm. which are that you know my my loved ones being hurt in whatever way that scares me um it scares me that um that I will at some stage lose touch I think is probably the thing that scares me the most mm. I I don't want to become one of those people particularly in my industry that thinks that things were better in the olden days. I don't want to become one of those people who thinks, oh, it's no good, I can't say what I used to be able to say. I think it's great that language evolves and I think it's great that society evolves. And sometimes that means that art that was made 20 or 30 years ago, like, isn't valid anymore. It doesn't mean it wasn't valid for the time, it just means it isn't valid anymore. I hope that I don't ever become one of those people that, um, you know, that I want to evolve. I want to always be excited by what's next. I want to believe that the next generation is going to be better than we were and it's our responsibility to be, like I said, part of that chain. You know, They're the next part of the chain and whether they're successful in that chain is part of how you should measure whether I was successful in that chain because if I in that chain just came and got as much stuff as I can for myself and left nothing else for those who come after me, then at the end of my life I would not consider that a success.
0: Of all the people you know, if this is a new one and you'll understand when I ask you this one because you might not have caught up with it if you're a couple of episodes of the Howie Games behind, uh, you'll understand why I'm asking you this question, Will, because it becomes rather self-serving. Of all the people you know and have met on your travels, who do you think would be a good guest on the Howie Games artist series? Okay,
1: that's a good question.
0: Mm, about time I asked one.
1: Uh, (laughs) No, I I used that's a good question in the traditional use of good question, which is not when someone asks a good question, but when you're padding for time. Let's be honest, people. 95% of when people says that's a good question is them saying that is a question I don't yet have an answer for and (laughs) I am seriously paddling at the moment. (laughs) I think a compliment might distract from the fact that I don't have an immediate answer to that question. And you're still paddling. Um, My dream guest, you've already, have you had Adam Goods on Howie Games?
0: No, I haven't.
1: So I mean, he's not artist serious, really. So he's so he's my dream philosophy guest. So he's the person that I absolutely would, uh, you know, love to have on the show more than anybody else. Um, I think for your world, Mm. um, of all the artists that I have met and interacted with in my life. You know what, I would love to hear who I would love to hear you talk to? I would love to hear you talk to Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin is always one of the people that I love talking to. You know, he's been on my show a few times, and Tim and I love talking, but there is a dance when Tim and I talk that is about, you know, us both being in the same career and knowing each other and these sort of things that I would love to see Tim. In a similar environment, but with somebody who is outside his world. I think that it would just engage him in a different way. He would answer even the same questions with different answers because of who he was talking to. So I would be, I know as a consumer, I would be very interested in hearing you talk to Tim Minchin.
0: Right. Can you make that happen for me?
1: I mean, I probably could, yeah. I, well, I could at least put you in touch with them. That's why I said self I can't self-serving make team do anything, but no, I, could, no. I could possibly get you in touch with them.
0: All right, final one in what has been a marathon sitting of the Howie Games Artist Series. By g, have kept you for a long time. We've covered all sorts of ground. You'll hear the full episode next Thursday. Get around it. Get around everything that Will does. Will Anderson, a man I've known and loved for 40 years, And I genuinely don't know the answer to this. Pineapple on pizza, Will Anderson, yes or no?
1: So firstly, just as a preface to this, which is... Does it need a preface? It does because I think about this a lot because this is what's wrong with the world, this question, right, is what's wrong with the world because who cares is the actual correct answer. The correct answer is it's up to the person in particular it's no one else's business whether you have pineapple on your pizza or you don't have pineapple on your pizza and we will only be truly living in a world where we understand each other, where we don't have hard and fast rules around things that do not matter to anybody else in the world. Can However, I just stop
0: you for one moment yes. there? I have never sworn on this podcast, okay, <laughs> but now I'm going to, f- Will, answer the question, <laughs> pineapple on f- Pizza, (laughs) yes or no? And geez, I feel liberated.
1: (laughs) Again, no one's business but your own, however. (laughs) Pineapple. No, absolutely. Yeah, I like pineapple on pizza. for Good
0: sure. boy. Good boy.
1: But if you don't like it, don't have it. <laughs> Walk away from the pizza, guys.
0: I just want to know what you wanted, mate. We, we've done this about face. Um, it's been liberating for me because now I've finally sworn after six years of talking <laughs> about doing it. Oh, don't worry, I'll beep it out. Yeah, I'll good. beep it. Don't Thank worry. You. I'll beep it. I won't be prepared to put it in there. Appreciate you joining me on the player profile. Your full episode is out as well. Thanks for having a chat with me. Stay safe.
1: Listener